Greetings, and welcome to the Saved by Nostalgia podcast. I love the power glove. It's so bad. No! I feel the need. The need for speed. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. Look I what you did, you little jerk. Murdoch. I'm coming to get you. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. You are next. And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Well, Noah, I don't want to set the stakes too high, but what's about to unfold is the gold standard when it comes to Saved by the Bell podcast. This is Saved by Nostalgia, and we are on Saved by the Bell Season 3. It's Episode 1. We are here for the fabulous building boys. Noah, we've been waiting on this one for a long time. This is an episode literally seven months in the making. We had to take a few months off from doing the podcast for one reason, and that is broad building. And you're going to hear the story and how it all unfolded right here on Saved by Nostalgia. Thanks so much for joining us. Wow. This is a big one, a pivotal episode, and wow, do we have a story to go along with it. Absolutely. We are talking about the middle of November here. This all started back on April 5th when we reached out to none other than Ed Blatchford, who played Rod Belding in The Fabulous Belding Boys. And like you said, it has taken seven plus months to finally snag the great white, and boy, we have snagged him. You know what else? is going to be sort of revealed here. Obviously, Ed Blatchford has, uh, you know, embraced the Rod Belding character. Um, he's done, uh, been a part of a documentary called Saved by the Belding. There's other people that have recognized him as this sort of like cult status because of this episode. And it's one of the reasons why this episode's so important to us growing up. It's just one that stands out. It's, honestly, as we're standing right now, if I had to pick my favorite episode of Saved by the Bell, it's this one right here, and it's coming up. And uh, you're going to hear the whole story about how Ed Blatchford almost Rod Belding to us, and <laughs> how basically, we're going to talk to Ed later, how he basically admits that he is basically Rod Belding in life, and that he would have done the same things Rod Belding did in this episode. There's some really revealing stuff here, and uh, how the interview almost didn't happen. We waited as long as we could. Uh, after hearing from, you know, talking to Ed here and there for the last seven months, he'd said he would do it. We were contacted by his son who said, let's set this up. Ed would like to do it. And then we weren't hearing back. We weren't sure what was going to happen. We would make posts on our social media that Ed would like, and then wouldn't answer us back. Ed is Rod Belding. That's what we learned here. And we're going to, you're going to hear all about it later on. Once we get through the meat of this episode. Absolutely. I mean, he embraces it. He embraces the fact that he is Rod Belding. He would do the exact same things. And we had an interview set up and he was going to be in traffic and we wanted to do some something special in the interview that you'll hear later on. And we just didn't feel like in the car was the perfect spot for it. So maybe that's a little bit on us. Maybe we Rod Belding, Rod Belding a little bit there. Uh, but we wanted to wait until he was nice and settled in. And so it went on for several more months of us contacting him, him contacting us, just kind of a little back and forth and then some long spans in between. But finally we said, hey, Ed, we're doing the episode. It's happening. Are you in or are you out? And both of us thinking... This is Rod Belding. We're not hearing back. He's gone. He's off with Inga somewhere. (laughs) 
He messaged back. He's in, folks. We got Rod Belding. It happened. And we also have Raph Morrow, who plays the part of Mr. Dickerson in this uh, episode. So we have two guests. This is why you listen to the show, Saved by Nostalgia. We are bringing it. We are doing every episode of Saved by the Bell, and we are starting off with a bang in season three with two great guests. This is the Fabulous Building Boys. Noah, this thing originally aired, um, you know, back in December of 1990 December 9th 1990 Fabulous Building Boys uh, really kicked off the season and set us on a course the gang is obviously you know a year older uh, the, the the subject matter is going to be you know a little more even more than it was in season two yeah. just a little more um, you know um, age appropriate as, as they keep getting older we start off here um, there is a class trip Everybody's excited about it. Oh, you always love an episode when it starts off. It kind of reveals the uh, you know the, the episode on the the big banner above the yes. the lockers. It's like this is it says class trip, and we're going to be this talking is where about we're going. class trip. Yeah. This is and it's something that as a high schooler you kind of look forward to. Like we never had one, but no. other people apparently had a class trip, uh, and that's what this is based on. Yeah, Peter- I remember growing up watching this episode and being like, I can't wait to get to high school and take this big class trip. And whether we go whitewater rafting or uh, climbing a mountain or whatever, we're going to do something exciting. It's going to be great. Maybe we go to Yellowstone and walk through the forest and watch the deer go down to the lake and take a drink. We don't want to go on your boring nature trip. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll just dump this brochure <laughs> in the trash can very sadly. Well, we meet Mr. Dickerson, who we're going to talk to uh, very soon. Uh, Mr. Dickerson, uh, who is uh, proclaimed as being more awful than four zits on a first date. <laughs> No one has passed his history midterm in three years. This is just great because, again, we always think about this series as being told from the minds and from the eyes of these students and how this teacher seems just awful. He's failed his, his own, own kid. kid. Yeah. And obviously that's probably not really reality, but from the way they see it, you always see your teachers as more imposing and than they really are. And I think this is a great example. Mr. Dickerson, a great teacher that stands out for me. He's hilarious. Oh, he's absolutely one of my favorites when we talk about just a one-off guest kind of teacher, guest star teacher. Mr. Dickerson is probably it for me. I mean, I love Mr. Dewey, but he's in a bunch of episodes. Mr. Dickerson, the one-off, I love it. Just F, F, F. You're all getting an F. And you know what? If they don't pass this midterm, there's no class trip. The only trip this class will go to is to summer school. And with that, (laughs) we've got to welcome... Uh, our very special guest here, our first one here on Say by Nostalgia, Say by the Bell, Season 3, Episode 1. It is Raph Morrow, played Mr. Dickerson. Raph, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine. How is this? This is Noah, I take it. This is Clint and Noah. We're both yep. joining you here. Oh, I see. Wow. <laughs> okay. you're, you're, in, you're in good company today, sir. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take your word for it. Well, well, we just can't thank you enough for coming on. You know, Roth, this has been a, quite a journey for us. We're uh, reviewing all 86 episodes of Saved by the Bell, and here we are uh, to your episode, wow. The Fabulous Building Boys. And, Roth, you are such a part of this, and we can't thank you enough for joining us to talk about it. My pleasure. So first of all, you know, we, we obviously you've done a lot of things. Your acting career has spanned over uh, over decades. But when it comes to Say by the Bell, of course, the show is huge in 1992. And that's around the time that you're uh, on the show. Can you just talk about how it came about that you were uh, contacted by the Say by the Bell creators to, to be a part of the show? Uh, well, actually, uh, the, it was the process was much simpler than you can uh, even imagine, about as simple as it gets. I get a call from my agent saying I got an audition. I went there, I auditioned. Uh, They showed me the stuff and I started 
playing with the script, and then I started uh, improvising a little bit, and they liked what I was doing improvisationally, and it seemed to fit what was uh, what was going on in their mindset. And the next thing I know, I got a call almost immediately saying that I was booked on the show. There was no sense of a call back or waiting for it. I mean, it happened with it the same day. What was your interaction like with the rest of the cast, uh, the kids, uh, Dennis Haskins, uh, Peter Engel, the uh, executive producer? What was your interaction like uh, with the rest of the cast? Well, you know, there is a, there is a, a certain sort of uh, a vibe or a hum that one gets when one walks on the set of a hit show. Uh, everybody is uh, doing what they do best and the best that they can do it. And so everybody is relaxed. And there's a sense of synergy that goes on that you don't find elsewhere on shows that are struggling or brand new. And uh, so you walk out, everybody is warm and friendly and cooperative and professional. There's a great deal of give and take. And that was what I experienced there. Plus, there was just a lot of kidding around and laughing and good, good positive sense of uh, well-being that went on. Well, your character's name is Mr. Dickerson. He's sort of an eccentric kind of a character. Um, I always felt that it was if the kids were seeing it, you know, were seeing it through their eyes and seeing this character very exaggerated and over the top. And you failed your own student, you failed your own kid. No one's passed your midterm in three years. Uh, what was kind of the character? What were you kind of trying to get out of him? As a, obviously on the page, that's one thing. But um, I'm sure you kind of, like you said, you played with it. And this guy was just kind of a kind of a crazy teacher, wasn't he? Uh, not in his mind. In his mind, he was a paragon of uh, intellectual and scholastic genius. That he knew exactly what was right and that the rest of them, well, if they didn't get on board, then uh, sorry for them. Uh, I was there to help, but I was there to help my way. Well, with the students not passing his midterm for three years, uh, how do you think Mr. Dickerson kept his job over those years with <laughs> such a high fail rate? And I love your maniacal laugh in the episode. It's just spot on. <laughs> uh, how did he keep his job? He kept his job because he had the world convinced, or at least the people, uh, the powers that be, he had them convinced that he was the right way to go. And it wasn't, it wasn't his fault that, that they didn't pass those exams. They had the problem. And if they'd li only listened to him, then none of that would have happened. But, of course, they had to be stubborn teenagers. So, as unfortunately, they just slipped through the cracks. This was a very famous episode of Saved by the Bell. It also features uh, Ed Blatchford as Rod Belding, who comes in as Mr. Belding's brother. And this episode is, is very renowned. It's one that people still talk about to this day between uh, Rod Belding and your character, Mr. Dickerson. What was kind of your uh, basis? Did you know much about Saved by the Bell? Obviously, this is a Saturday morning kind of kids television show. Did you, did you have much knowledge about the show before you came on? Uh, I did not. I was aware of it. Um, the... Um the one time that I did watch it, I happened to be uh, uh, in uh, in a home of a friend who had some youngsters, and they were watching it, and we were talking, they were watching the television, and we were sitting on the other side of the living room chatting about something, uh, and so I got a sense of what was going on, and because I heard somebody getting laughs, we stopped the conversation, and I walked over to the television, 
we walked over to the television and watched for a while. And I saw the quality of the talent of the young people on the show and saw how good their comedy timing was, how good their sense of communication was, how strong they were uh, with their characters. And all of that impressed me a great deal. And I thought, well, there's some quality stuff going on here on a Saturday morning. It's not, they're not just playing it for laughs. Underneath all of this stuff, there is a tone of something that's a little more. Well, Clint kind of mentioned it there. This episode has kind of become a cult classic and a favorite among a Say by the Bell fans. Do you hear about this a lot? Like walking down the street, do people recognize no, you as Mr. All. Dickerson? I, sometimes, see, I volunteer and, and read in schools and have for the last, I don't know, 12, 15 years with a, pro a program called the Screen Actors Guild's Book Pals Program. That's uh, faded away now, but I still volunteer, and everybody who ever did it is still volunteering anyway, with or without the program. And so, um, like, for instance, I was in one of the schools. I read at three different schools every week. And uh, last week I was in a class of fifth graders, and one of them mentioned that I was on... Uh, this show, and another one was uh, that I was uh, that they had seen me on a, an episode of Full House. So obviously they were they're seeing these in reruns, and uh, I had no idea that the show was being rerun until every once in a while I get a residual check in the mail. I go, oh right, of course. Uh, but then I realized that then I started seeing them on uh, Saturday mornings on some of these uh, stations. Uh, that I would not normally have looked at. So I realize now that there's another generation of kids who are being exposed to this show, and they're loving them the same way the kids did the first time around. Well, Rolf, kind of talk about that. I remember you being uh, the mechanic on uh, on Full House, and uh, you've done some oh, great shit. <laughs> oh, I, I just saw that episode the other day, but I also, you know, just from, from Full House, from uh, Seinfeld and, and Family Matters, you've been a part of some really big shows. Can you just talk about kind of your career and, and some of these highlights and uh, some of your memories of, of being on some of these other shows? Well, yeah. I, I, I originally, back in, in the early 70s, I was a regular on the Sunny and Cher show. And we got to do a lot of crazy, nutty things, and we got to improvise a great deal. And there was a tremendous amount of terrific, funny interaction between us uh, that all um, generated real good energy on uh, on the air. The, uh, the shows uh, that I did subsequently, for instance, I was on, let's see, I did night, I, I was a recurring character on Night Court. I did about 10 or 12 of those in a row. And that was an absolute joy. Again, working with Stone Cold professionals who really knew their stuff and were relaxed and full and having a great time, really enjoying what they were doing. Um, I did a couple of shows called Charge and Charles. Uh, Charles in Charge. Yeah. And uh, again, same kind of experience. Uh, Seinfeld was a joy. It's another one of those you walk on a hit show and that hum, that vibe that goes on, unmistakable. Uh, the same thing with Cheers. Uh, the same thing with Desperate Housewives. Um, and there were a number of others. Um, uh, uh, there's, there's so many. I, I, it's difficult to, you know, to bring them all. Because I've done over 100 television shows and films, and I lost count of how many commercials I've done. So uh, it's been a, a, a great joyride uh, through all of this stuff. 
And uh, not the least of it was that I was a single parent, and because I was a steadily working actor, that's how I raised my son. Well, before we let you go, Roth, we just got to ask you, if you can recreate the rap, the kids turn on Fresh Prince, but instead they see your face and you do a rap for them, if we could get you to recreate that, it, it would just mean the world to us. Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember the rap you did for Say by the Bell? Well, yeah, sure. You think you're smart, you think you're hip, but your boots are away because there's no class rip. <laughs> <laughs> Roth, that is absolutely amazing. I can't gold, tell you. Pure gold. <laughs> that that part stands out to this day. It's like you just, I, and I just, you're, it's funny because you're in one episode of Saved by the Bell, but people will remember that, like that you're, and it, did you ever kind of get disappointed that you didn't get asked to come back? Was that ever something that was disappointing? I'm sorry, I, I couldn't understand what you were saying. What did you say? Did you, were you disappointed at all that uh, even though you were in that episode that you were not asked to come back for an, another episode after that? You know, I don't remember whether or not I was, because some shows they ask you back, some shows they don't. And the one, I only remember being grateful and happy for the shows that uh, that they asked me back. For the ones I mentioned, uh, Give Me a Break, uh, The Henderson, um, a bunch of others where I was... Uh, um, uh, so... The shows that I went back and did different characters on the show were the ones that stick out to me the most. The ones that I didn't uh, get asked back to me, it was just a really good opportunity to have some fun, have a job, work with some really nice people, and come away with a pleasant memory. Well, Roth, you have uh, you know such a such a, such an, a way about you and your acting style, and we always remember you from those great shows. And so glad that you're able to join us to talk about this episode as we continue our journey to talk Saved by the Bell. We can't thank you enough for being a part of it, Roth. You're the, you're amazing. Thanks for doing the rap. That was great, and we just wish you all the luck going forward, my friend. Thank you so very much. I really had a good time, and it was a pleasure meeting you, even if it was only on the phone. Right. Absolutely. It's an honor, and it was an absolute pleasure. Can't thank you enough. Well, there you have it. Raph Morrow really embracing that role as Mr. Dickerson. He did the famous lines with us. We're going we're gonna to get to that in just a minute, uh, where that comes to play in the episode. But, man, great to catch up with Raph. Mr. Dickerson, he remembers it all. Just as wonderful as I'd remembered his character being. That was awesome. Absolute rap and raff. That's a new nickname. We're coining it right now. He did it great. I can't believe he redid the lines. And it was just such a pleasure to catch up with him and talk about his character. Again, one of my favorites, Mr. Dickerson. Well, they want to they're gonna go on this class trip, but they're, they kind of have that, that typical class meeting where there's like four or five students in Mr. Belding's yes. office trying to hash it out. And, Only uh, the popular students, and we, then maybe one nerd. Yeah, we meet in. Milton, who wants to yes. go to the uh, the Hostess Museum or the Hershey Chocolate Factory, and um, they can't really decide. And I think Mr. Belding winds up just saying, you know, here, I'll make the decision, and I'll let you know. And I think it's uh, it's, it's a cool moment. It's a, it's uh, leads to, I think, uh, something that stands out to me, which is now they're all wanting to get through this midterm and but they can't get Mr. Dickerson out of their minds. They see him on TV. He's Fresh Prince. He's rapping Raph, as you said. <laughs> and uh, FFF, you're all getting an F. Great scene there when they're all studying, I think, in Zach's room. It is, and that kind of lends itself to your idea that we're seeing this through the kids' eyes. And just they're, they're worse than – they're being portrayed worse than what they actually are and how he's on the poster – and uh, you're not going to pass this one, cheerleader. And they're seeing him wherever they look in the room and just this daunting figure that kind of haunts over them. And 
they're just nervous about this and all worried that they're not going to pass the midterm and be able to go on the class trip. Well, now the next day, Mr. Dickerson is gone. Um, he came into the teacher's lounge and gave everyone an F and tried to send Mr. Belding to detention. So at that point, Mr. Belding knows he's uh, lost his marbles, he's sick or whatever, and he's being sent home. And the test will actually be given by his brother, Rod Belding, played by Ed Blatchford. We meet Rod in this setting, and it's one of those moments that just really stands out. You you remember when you have a substitute in school, and you're like, wow, is this guy cool? Like He's got long hair, he's blonde, but he's Mr. Belding's brother, so maybe there's a little apprehension at, at first, and he's going to have to give the midterm. I know I've subbed myself. I've been a substitute teacher. I've never been yeah. tasked with giving a midterm. No, absolutely not. Uh, Screech, of course, the bit famous line, a building with two buildings? One of them is balding? And, of course, Mr. Belding say, I'd like to introduce you to your substitute, Mr. Belding. And, yeah, there's apprehension there, and they're getting ready for this midterm, and, oh, no, another Belding. This isn't going to be easy. He's going to come in here and be strict. But, no, he has them tear up their tests and yell, wahoo, and then ask them what grade they think they deserve he believes in the student-teacher relationship and that it should be based on trust. And we've all had those teachers, someone that just really captures your imagination and someone that kind of shows you what's possible. They seem like they are the height of coolness. I mean, that's what Rod Belding was here. He, he said that, you know, he could have been the head of an airline, but he needed his summers off to follow his dreams. And he throws the paper airplane through the air and it just he's casually laying on the desk they're obviously just having a conversation with the students relating to them and that's what drew them in that's what's important about this episode is the his the way he acts towards them um the way he presents himself it draws the group in and you know he's gonna give them whatever grade they want in the midterm and telling them all these stories about life probably really buttering them up and it's powerful stuff it's it's funny and there's some really great humorous moments in this, but it also, we can relate to this. You, everyone has an adult in their life that comes along and like they're almost a mentor. They're someone that you think you can trust. And that's what Rod Belding was at this point here. Yeah, at this point, he absolutely was. They're thinking he's this cool teacher. He cares about them. He trusts them. He's giving them responsibility and ownership over their own grades. And they feel like, finally, there's someone that can relate to us and not be this just strict, authoritative figure looming over them, daunting over them. And they feel like they can trust him, too. And he's someone that they can open up to, talk to, and trust. And we'll see maybe that breakdown here. You even have the say, the moment where... Um, you've, they're, they're listening to the Dodgers game in the office and Rod's in there oh, and they're eating <laughs> chips and just going nuts or listening to the game. Uh, and, and it's just kind of a cool moment. It's like, man, like we all want that teacher that's like, yeah. let us skip, you know, skip class and break the rules. And we think that we're really cool for that. And Screech is in there just being an idiot, making terrible building references and impersonations. And, but it's a cool scene because you see that Rod is really at this point gained their trust. They're buddied up and they're just hanging out. Yeah, but you start to question it, and is this just kind of building up his own ego? He's not taking his responsibility seriously, and he's just goofing off with these guys in Mr. Belding's office. Uh, but then he does mention they bring up the class trip and how it's going to be Yosemite. That's what Mr. Belding has picked. They're going to go to Yosemite, uh, watch the deer go down and take a drink from the pond. And Rod is, brings up that his class trip was whitewater rafting, and there's nothing like it, shooting the rapids, taking risks, pushing yourself to the limit. And Zach starts to fall in love with that. And, of course, this is a teacher that he's bonded with and someone that he trusts and looks up to and wants to be like and emulate. And so he, then he gets the idea, and they start 
talking about it, the, the gang, about whitewater rafting. Can we bring that up to Mr. Belding and change our class trip? Well, Rod says, you know, he'll take him. He's, you know, he, you got, you got to grab life. He says, "What are you going to do at Yosemite? Sit around all day and chase squirrels?" And you know, you, Mr. Belding had this great Yosemite trip planned, and, and it just seemed wonderful, and you know, so thoughtful because he really does care for the kids. But now the kids are they're confused. They've got yeah. this new figure in their lives that's obviously a lot cooler and younger and hipper than Mr. Belding, or so it seems. And Rod is ready to just you know throw the gambit at him and, and take him white water rafting, and that's what they want to do. And leads to really what I think is a very emotional scene. Um, this is a comedy show, and we're really talking about scenes that, that really bring out some really good emotion and tell a story. And that's what this next scene kind of is. And you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, and if you care about these characters and have watched it through all these seasons, now we are, we're here in season three, you care about Mr. Belding, you care about the kids. And obviously you can tell, I mean, we don't want to overstate this and how the kids are just forming this bond with Rod and they don't have a bond with anyone else, you can tell that they care about Mr. Belding because they don't go in there and say, hey, dude, we're doing whitewater rafting. They're, they're, it's like they're walking on eggshells. They don't know how to say it. They don't want to break it to him. They don't want to hurt his feelings. And so they don't know what to do. They're sitting around looking at each other, but then they get screeched to do it. And? We don't want to go on your boring nature trip. <laughs> I've always <laughs> beautifully done. I'm I've always <laughs> held screech and contempt for that because they're trying to skate around it. And Mr. Belding's so excited, and he's telling them about you know having lunch in the Indian caves and watching yeah. the the deer drink at the streams. And you know I, I've been to Yosemite. I've been to Yellowstone. I love you know that outdoorsy stuff. And like I th would love to go on that field trip with Mr. Belding. And like you know you want the kids to have that moment, but they're they're so entrenched in this idea. Screech just ruins it. Tells Mr. Belding um, they want to go. On the, you don't want to go on the boring nature trip. Wants to go whitewater rafting, and he, Mr. Belding, doesn't know anything about whitewater rafting. But Rod Zach, does. yeah, of course. Uh, Zach says, "Don't worry, sir. Your brother's an expert and offered to take us." And you can tell something's going on because Mr. Belding's like, "Oh, I see. What you're saying is that all of you would like to go with him." And do you think that that moment he's also thinking about all the things Rod has done in the past, in the past, like in letting people down. Letting yes, people down. he's clearly like. Kind of a hot shot and maybe you were, we're getting just a sense of that right here and that mr belling doesn't want to obviously tell him that he's an important figure in their lives at this point as a substitute teacher but he's also disappointed about what they've told him i mean they're, they're yeah he's very disappointed and i think that's kind of one of the saddest parts of this scene is this the soft kind of sad music and he's slowly dumping the yosemite brochure into the trash can uh, is he's probably going to be left behind because he doesn't know much about whitewater rafting. Rod does. He, Rod's going to take him. And yeah, like you said, he doesn't want to come out and tell the kids, like, you can't trust him. He doesn't want to hurt that relationship. But I think a scene that wasn't in the show that we can probably envision that happened is that Mr. Belding went to Rod and said, look, we know about your past. I know all this. All of this, you've let these people down in the past. Me, these included. kids trust you. These kids trust you. you. I'm their principal. Like I care about these kids. You're not doing this to these kids. You're not. You doing, wonder if you're taking them whitewater rafting. You're going whitewater rafting, and then we'll get to what happens. But. Yeah, absolutely. Because as of now, Rod is in whitewater. Whitewater rafting practice begins in the gym with a makeshift raft. <laughs> sitting on some wrestling mats uh, while Rod makes some waves by throwing the raft up and down. Uh, Screech is thrown into the water. Uh, Slater is an expert in mouth-to-mouth, -mouth. right, Mama? <laughs> and then mouth-to-mouth -mouth is actually demonstrated 
uh, Kelly and, and Zach and or Zach to Kelly and Slater to Jesse, just as Mr. Belding walks in, of course, and kind of catches this scene, kind of a strange scene <laughs> unfolding in the gym here, which has also been the site of various wrestling tournaments and basketball. Yes. I mean, it's just been Screech versus Needick until Slater yeah. comes <laughs> in. Slater versus Needick and exactly uh, some cheerleading competitions. We've seen it all in this uh, little room. And we've but- got the dr- Screech, the part where he's. Mr. Belding asks what's going on here, and Screech says, I'm drowning and nobody cares. <laughs> Hilarious. He comes flopping over. thrown off during yeah. the whitewater rafting experiment. And, and uh, you know, Peter Engel told us on this podcast that Dustin Diamond was a comedic genius, and on this moment, maybe I agree. I think I do. That was maybe his best moment in Say by the Bell. Um, it's hard to get all the Screech moments together, the horrible, the slightly good, the really good. Uh, but just as I'm talking about this right now, I think I'm drowning and nobody cares. Might be my number one Screech reach moment of all of Saved by the Bell. But the, the the jealousy starts to seep in here for Mr. Belding. Yes. He's sort of conflicted with his emotions. And uh, he, he, you know, basically tells the class to go to the room. And Zach kind of accuses him of being jealous of his own brother. Hard, that's heavy stuff for Saturday mornings, folks. It is. And we just talked about it, how Mr. Belding in the office didn't want to let him, let the kids know about his brother. And, and now the kids are coming up to him. I think he is getting jealous and people are, uh, Rod's telling Richie, stop being so uptight. We're just using a little class time to prepare for Friday's trip. And then Mr. Belding, Zach said that uh, no other teacher cared about us so much. And that's where Mr. Belding kind of lost. He's like, really? You're leaving me for this guy. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy. Maybe you should care more about teaching and less about being popular. And then Zach says, maybe you're just jealous of your own brother. Heavy and stuff. It's very heavy, and I think Mr. Belding kind of let it slip there a little bit because you're right, he is jealous, and he's giving a little hint like, hey, watch out for this guy. I've known him my whole life. He's going to let you down. Well, speaking of that, we're going to go ahead, and before we get to the end of the episode and yes. kind of what happens, we got to get to our interview with Ed Blatchford, Rod Belding himself, and kind of culminate this whole journey, seven months in the making. Um, we just were able to tape this just um, a couple days ago. Uh, incredibly, after seven months of sort of Ed kind of playing Rod Belding uh, on us, <laughs> he doesn't do a lot of these kind of interviews, so we definitely understand. Um, and this sort of helps bring in perspective the whole this whole thing. A little bit of life imitating art here. A little bit of life imitating art um, and how kind of he feels about the Rod Belding character and how he feels about what Rod kind of did to the kids. Also, the general stuff about how he got into the show and meeting Peter Engel and the casting director say by the bell he just wanted a, a gig and uh, he never knew that it would uh, kind of change his life so let's get to this uh, interview um, I can't tell you how much it means to us to have done this and stay tuned to the very end there's a, a, a wonderful treat at the end that you just probably won't believe well you know um, we were just I was just down there in LA and uh, obviously it's gone now but the say by the max uh, restaurant was down there I didn't know if you ever got a chance to check yeah. it out did you go there? Yeah, I went, I went right before it, clo- before it closed in March, yeah. It was really great, wasn't it? It was awesome. Did you, so you got a chance to check it out. I went with uh, Troy Froman, who played Ox on the show. There was a bunch of cast members that, that went. Did you? So, yeah, that's cool. You got a chance to check it out. Yeah, I, I was supposed to go, but I, I decided not to go. I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not big on this, as you know, but, you know. Well, um, this, but it's okay. Everything's good. Yeah, and, I, I did go there and had a great time. Ed, um, <laughs> you're, you know, we've been doing this show and we, we've had a lot of great guests f- from the cast of Stay by the Bell, but there's, this is sort of a, a unicorn for us because Rod Belding is sort of a, a character that took on a life of its own. 
Just talk about your experience well, being wide building these years. There's been a documentary made. This is a very strange phenomenon that's existed based on your character, Rod Belding. It's, a, it's hilarious because it was the first job I ever had as an actor, a professional job in L.A. And I came from Chicago as a theater artist. And I, I did a lot of some movies and stuff before this. And I, moved, I finally moved to L.A. as a young man to pursue acting, and it was my first job that I ever got. I remember Robin Lippin was the casting director. She's fabulous. And I did it just, I mean, it was not exactly what my dream job was, but I needed to start getting some credits, professional credits, you know. And, um, you know, we kind of, I think we did it. It was great. It was over. You know, then when the show was canceled, all of a sudden... Nostalgia, like, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, all of a sudden nostalgia starts, you know, taking place and people are starting to think about the different characters and the show and missing the show. And it did, it, it became kind of, uh, what would you say, kind of a cult classic, really. And my character did too. And I had no idea what was going on. I was, listen, the reason I don't do stuff like this is because I was pursuing, you know, I was in a, you know, working with Daniel Day Lewis and Last of Mohicans yeah. and I was working, I mean, I had, doing some, you know, great movies, you know, and uh, TV shows and stuff. And this was just like a sidebar for me. But out of all the stuff I've done, this is got the most attention. And I can't tell you how funny it is for me, everywhere I go, you know. People, it's not so much now, but I'm 62 years old. But back when I was like 50, and I'd go to like grocery stores, and the mothers would be there to be 40 years old. They'd be like, oh, I got you right, building that type thing. And I was like, I've done all this great work in stage and theater and movies and TV, and this is what I'm getting known for. So, you know, I succumb to it. I succumb. Well, that, that... actually, it, it's been wonderful. So much of those guys in Texas who approached me about that little documentary that they did, and they sent it to me, and I thought it was great. I can't remember what name of it was. Saved by the Belding, was it? Is that what it was? Yeah. And then I said, hey, this is good, but let's do this. Let's do another one. And I said to them, let's collaborate. Let's do another one. And that was the one that went to the L.A. Comedy Film Festival yeah. stuff. And um, it was actually pretty good, I thought. It was pretty funny, you know. So I have embraced it. Well, it's, it's very cool. I mean, honestly, like the... I, I remember making the connection because I'd seen the episode and then I remember seeing you in Nowhere to Run. I was a huge Van Damme fan yeah. and I love that right. movie and I love, I was like, that's Rod Belding, um, that, which yeah. is funny again. Yeah. Going, but yeah, so th that was great. I mean, The Last of Mohicans is, is unbelievable and you, yeah. great stuff. Like, so you have the yeah. chops, you've been around, you've done so many great things and I think that the common thread here is that many actors that we've talked to have the exact same story as you about this yeah. just kind of being a one-off, a random episode, a random thing, and it, it, it's just so amazing how it s explodes into an uh, American lexicon, and you're a part of that, and you know what? That's great. Yeah, well, you have to, as a young actor, you know, you need work, you know, and you have to learn how to work, and um, that was a great spot. Peter Angle was a great guy. Um, you know, he cast me in a bunch of stuff later on, you know, as uh, in Malibu CA, I played the dad. Peter Collins, I think it was, and I did, uh, I did three or four other shows of his as guest star. <clears throat> so he was really good to me, and he was great. Whenever I was out of work, he always had a job for me. 
And, uh, yeah, he, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And all those kids were good, too. They were great people to work with. Mario, everybody, they were great. And um, it was good. It was a good experience. Talk a little bit more about that, kind of the audition process and your interactions with Peter Engel and some of the cast and crew, Dennis Haskins, and of course the kids are, were in school at the time, so kind of offset, you didn't get a lot of chance to uh, mingle and interact with them, yeah. but Dennis Haskins, Peter Engel, what are your memories of them? Well, yeah, I mean, I came in and, uh, you know, we were just cranking it out back then, they were just cranking out episodes, so I came in as a guest star, we cranked it out, and I didn't talk to Peter again for, I don't know what think about this, um, probably for five or six years, maybe, or maybe more than that. But all of a sudden, I got a phone call from him. He goes, I want you to play the dad in Malibu, CA. I go, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, it was a great, it was fun, great part. You know, actually, I think, I think that is a great cult, uh, cult uh, theory. Seriously. Malibu, CA, you guys are familiar with that? Yeah, yep, yes, definitely. I mean, if you watch that stuff, I mean, that's, that's goofy fun. That's almost yeah. like Gilligan's Island type culties, you know. Stuff. <laughs> it is. If later that became bigger. That was a great dad. It was a lot of fun. So he was he was great. You know, Peter, he was great. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. Um, you know, he, he kind of got caught in like a little bit of a formula. And um, I, I think that hurt him in the end because I thought that this that they well stepped out a little bit on this Melba C A made a little bit edgier, you know, it, it would have been better but um but still it was great. We had two seasons on it and uh, I think I did the basketball one. I can't remember all their names, but he, he was great. And uh, the the uh, casting casting Robin Lippin I think was the casting director. Yeah. It was my first it was my first job in LA. I went in there and did it and I got the job. I was so excited. I think I was like, you know, 30 years old. I come from Chicago. Maybe I was younger even. I can't remember. But uh, it was great. It was great. They were great to work with. But then I got to know everybody later when I did Malibu CA. That's when I really got to know everybody. Like Mario. I love Gilbert. Yeah, There's a production manager named Gilbert, mm-hmm. who was Mario's cousin, actually. I can't remember his last name. But we were all best friends. We had a great time. We partied hard, man. Good time <laughs> in LA. We all had a good time. It was all young people. So, I mean, you're right. The kids were young at that time. So, I mean, they were kids. So, you know, I, I didn't really uh, mingle with them, but they were very professional. They were really good. You know, they were great. Yeah, talk a little bit about your character, Rod Belding, in the show. Uh, in the show, you say you believe the teacher-student relationship should be based on trust, but you're doing things I don't think you're allowed to do, like rip up midterms and just give the kids grades, whatever they feel. And you're trying to be friends with them instead of their teacher, but then at the end, you let them down. You're just a sub. You're in and out, and you get kicked out of the school no. by your brother. Talk about kind of the relationship uh, with Rod and the students. Well, that was just horrible. I mean, it was so sad, but, you know, listen uh Rod was a player, you know, and he didn't have time for, like, these students. He's a player, man. So, you know, when you have a hot babe like Inga, who you have an <laughs> opportunity to take, take advantage of, you go for it, right? I mean, I'm surprised that, you know, actually I look back on it, it would have been funny if Inga showed up with me at the end, and Inga was with me. That would have been the best play. Yes. You know? <laughs> I come, I come into Dennis Haskins and say, "Listen, this is Inga. I'm really 
I definitely wanted to meet Inga. And you know what's funny about this is, you know, seeing this as a kid, but th- this is kind of heavy for Saved by the Bell because it was a Saturday morning show. But really, there's a lot of deeper issues here because you think about being a naive uh, kid and kind of trusting adults. It sort of shows you that relationship and kind of how to be a little bit, uh, you know, questioning of adults and their authority and kind of how they can use kids to prop themselves up and kind of make themselves look better only to kind of drop them when, when they don't need them anymore. I mean, it's kind of a heavy issue and a heavy topic. Well, it turns out maybe you're right because it obviously rang true to a lot of people. I mean, you know, I, I don't follow up on this stuff a lot, but sometimes they do. uh I'll go on and look at, like, YouTube and some of the reactions of, like, some of the Rod Belding, you know, like, stuff on YouTube. And there are a lot of people who are looking that, you know, it cracked me up that uh, Rod would leave with Inga, which I, as Ed Blackford, I would have left with Inga without a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this, you know, what this moral problem was at all. But, uh, you know, and Dennis, you know, I mean, the funny thing is we don't look anything alike. No. That's why we never ever, you know, thought that, you know, that we were brothers. Really, I mean, never thought that maybe I was the adopted son or something. But um, yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was, I think, a good story about responsibility and what's important, you know. And and having fun is great, but you can't have fun all the time. You know, you can't just pursue fun. Right or your will, you, know, you just can't pursue your will all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, yeah, you have to have responsibility and go back. And ultimately, Dennis is the hero because he really loves the kids, and he was for the kids, you know. But I have to tell you, I thought our our documentary, right, we did our little thing was really funny. Where he we meet up, it's like real life. You guys saw that? Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. It blew my mind when I first saw it because I'm just like, God, there's like people out there that kind of think the same way that I do about this character that's just etched in my memory. And then they see, yeah. they found you and they're, you know, it's just, it's crazy. And what a phenomenon it is. It was so funny. And I'm glad that happened because it it, it brought that to the, the forefront and people yeah. always remember it. And it's hilarious. Yeah. And that was cool that you did that because obviously you don't, you know, this, you don't, do a lot of interviews or talk about that a whole lot. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's great. I mean, it really, it was, it was a lot of fun. The guys who did it, Scott Hamilton, I think he's the lead guy. Um, I wrote it with him. And it was really a lot of fun. And it was a lot of fun. because just making, it's kind of a the satire on the people who love the show, right? I mean, that's what it is. The people who find that the show kind of has a cult status. It really is kind of a, a little bit of a satire on them, you know? And the idea that that they can't separate reality at Blatchford from Rod Belding, right? That's what it's all about. <laughs> but then we, Rod Belding does the same thing. I mean, Ed Blatchford does the same thing Rod Belding would have done anyway. He leaves them all at the restaurant. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What are you guys doing? Where are you guys? We're in Kansas City, Missouri, so uh, we're, we're, it's about 22 degrees outside, so I'm thinking that you're probably yeah. in, having a little better than us right now. So. We're 80, 80 degrees. Yeah. No, I, I remember those days just two weeks ago, but uh, in the Midwest, yeah. you'd never know. Rub it in, Rod. Rub yeah. it in. <laughs> how, how, how was your trip out here, all right? 
I love it. Yeah, I go out there about once or twice a year. Uh, I've got some good friends out there. We always hit, you know, Santa Monica, the usual spots. Uh, uh, Fro- we hit up Froman's Deli. Troy Froman's a good actor from uh, from Saved by the Bell, and he has a deli there in yeah. Santa Monica. So. Oh, he does? Where's the deli? Yeah, it's, it's right on Santa Monica Boulevard, right near the pier. Froman's Deli. Well, you see the Broadway Deli. It's called Froman's. Froman's Deli. Not Froman? Yeah, Froman. Yeah, it must be changed. I think it was the Broadway Deli for a while. It's the same place. I don't know. It's, it's, it's wow. great. I, I, it's, it's something, you know, and a lot of people we talk to love living there. There's so many reasons why people love it and why people hate it. It's I can I get it. Like, you got the traffic and it's congested, but yeah. man. Um, I was out there for the Mot- Motley Crue concert a few years ago. A lot of a lot of it, entertainment yeah. options. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you gotta call me next time you come in. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely will. And let, um, and maybe we could even plan it to where you could uh, not show up. You could show up. You could leave with Inga and not make it to the to lunch, <laughs> and leave us yeah. in the lurch like Rod Belding would. No, I'll leave you. I'll leave you the bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would be perfect. I'll say I, I say I have to go to the bathroom, and I'll leave you the <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that would be a story that uh, no one would ever believe. Um, yeah. So, hey, okay. my beautiful wife just walked in. Say hello, or Laura. Laura, hello. You. Hi. But um, Who is this? this is Clinton Noah from Save by Nostalgia, interviewing your wonderful husband about uh, his some of his great movie roles and television roles. Oh, great! <laughs> How are you guys doing? We're great. We're th- so this a little is- cold here in Kansas City, Missouri, but we're making it. <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you guys freezing? Yeah, it's a paltry uh, eighteen yeah. degrees here in, in Missouri. Oh. In the- hey, oh, uh, you, you should have done this interview in person. I, exactly. We, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we will we will have to do that next time we're out. You know, we get all the seasons here in Missouri, though. We will say that we get all the seasons, even if most of them are yeah. horrible. <laughs> exactly. So why don't you guys come out here and move out here? Why don't you guys you be the capital there thing to visit? It's expensive to live there, Ed. My goodness, like, it's 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 expensive to live there. You know you know how it is. Yeah. Are you going to put us up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's too expensive here. Yeah. You're right. It's we're, crazy. What part, what part well, of I L.A.? A, I have a... I have a uh, I have a back room called the Screech Room. Perfect. Um, we'll, we'll take it. What? <laughs> yeah, it's called, it's called, the, called the Screech Room, and you guys can have that. What? Days, That's hilarious. What what part of LA do you guys live in? We live in Orange County, actually, outside North Port Beach. Oh, okay, so you're up there. Okay, perfect. See, so you're away from yeah. the city. That's per- That's a good spot. Yeah, you're. Yeah. yeah. That's we're great. Out of the way. We're kind of a little bit out of the way. It's crazy. Well, I'll tell you what. It, uh, definitely gonna gonna have to hit you up next time we're, we're out that way. It's a it's a great place to to, to visit. We'll definitely do that. Uh, and I tell you what. Yeah. Before we let you go, we've teased it. Our our audience is 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 just anticipating it. We've sent you the script. Okay. We've got to do this one last time. You taking on? The, you got to get in care. We, we're gonna get Jin character. And we're gonna do I'm this in right. Character, but you got you better be on your best shot here. You better be ready. Okay. Noah yeah. here is gonna play uh, Mr. Belding, and we're gonna roll it. Okay, why run through it once? I mean, I, I mean, I'm the professional. I can do it once, but I'm thinking about it. you. One take. We got it. We're gonna do this. Okay. 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 Good. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, go. I cannot believe you're doing this. The class trip leaves in five minutes. These kids are depending on you. Come on, Richie. Don't get over it. They look up to you. What is so important that you would disappoint thirty kids? Richie. You met this stewardess, you know. 
You're doing this to spend time with some stewardess? It's not just some stewardess. This is Inga. She's only in town for this weekend. See, I knew. I knew it was a mistake to let you come to my school. You promised me you would change, but no. You are the same rod. You get people's hopes up and then you let them down. Richie, she's gorgeous. You should see her. She's a 10. Is that what you're going to tell the kids? That you dumped them for some weekend fling? Tell them I'm sick. Tell them anything. Cover for me. I'm tired of covering for you. Come on, Richie. Don't be mad. We're brothers. Get out of my school, Rod. Scene. Oh, that's so heavy. That's so heavy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Wow. Hey, good job. Thank you. That, that was Noah. I'll tell you what, me, I, I don't know if I could have pulled that one off as good as Noah did. That was great, just hearing that. Um, Noah was good. Really good. See? It's what, one take yeah. Noah. That's what they call him. He, yeah. Fully impressed. Fully impressed. Well, Ed, that, that was just amazing. I, we can't thank you enough for, for talking to us and for taking us back and for being a good sport about it. We're going to be... Cheering yeah. for, we're going to cheer, be cheering for your Michigan State Spartans the rest of the way. We're going to get them an offense and get them back rolling, man. I tell you what, if it's yeah, the last thing we, we do. Just, we're on basketball right now. We forgot about football. We're I, on basketball. <laughs> well, that's fine, too. Yeah. The, the, it was preseason number one, and they have already lost lost a game. But you know what? Tom Izzo doing what Who he they does. Lose to? Uh, Kentucky. Who did they lose to? They lost to Kentucky. Yeah. That's, and did Kentucky just lose to Evansville? Yes. Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Ed, All right, boys. thanks so much, Great man. Talking to you. Call me anytime, and uh, good luck to you both. You bet. Thank you. It was an absolute honor. we got to do this in person sometime, Ed. Anytime, buddy. Just call me. Thanks a lot. Will do. Noah, I don't know how we can finish the episode now because <laughs> you were citing the lines with Ed Blatchford. I'm sitting here in awe, like, this is really happening. You did the end scene already. We know how the the, the episode ends, but you did the, the, the famous lines there. What was that like for you? Oh, man, it was nerve-wracking. I had goosebumps doing it. Like, I had dreamed about for seven months. From the very first moment we've tried to get Ed Blatchford to do this interview with us, this had been in my mind. Doing this scene with him, I probably bugged him about it, hounded him about it. Um, I was persistent with it. Uh, sent him numerous emails with the lines written out word for word. I had to go pause the episode, write down, and then I'd forget half of it halfway through and have to <laughs> rewind and do it again. I got it all down, word for word, sent it to him numerous times. We reminded him of the interview before we did it, told him, hey, we're doing this scene. He was a little apprehensive about it at first. I brought it up to him, and he's like, ah, I don't know about that, man. I, I, I don't know about doing that scene. But we got it. We did it. It went wonderfully. I was so nervous because, like he said in there, he's putting pressure on me. He's like, hey, do we need to run this through? I'm the professional here. Do we need to run this through, Noah? Are you going to get this? And you also put a little, you said, I'm one take, Noah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, all right, let's do it one take. And it couldn't have gone better. And it was an honor. It's something like, it's one of those huge moments in my life. Yeah. Like, it may seem silly to someone listening. I don't know. But for me, it was a huge moment. It's like being at an AFC championship game, even though we lost. Hypothetical. Yeah, very hypothetically. Just all the people we've been able to interview on this podcast, on our sports podcast, meeting people, doing films, all that we do. And this ranks right up there with it. It was unbelievable. It was great. You did a wonderful job. I could definitely not have done it better at all. So just the fact that we got to the heart of the matter with Ed about how basically, you know what, he 
sort of sees himself as sort of a Rod Belding. Like he would have run off with Inga. Yeah. He would have left the kids in the lurch. He, if we go meet him out there, he'll leave us with a check and run off. Yeah, we've and, already yeah. got that uh, <laughs> planned. Bring so, a little extra money with us when we go to LA. So, so that was one of the biggest interviews. I mean, I, pe- you have no idea when we started doing this podcast, we started getting a list of interviews, interviewees together, like who we want to do. And we have huge ones coming up guys this season and beyond. You're not going to believe it. We've got writer Bennett Tramer. We have Eddie Garcia who played Johnny Dakota coming up. We have Tori herself, Leanna Creel, Tori Scott. This show is blasting off into cyberspace and we can't thank you enough for your support this is you're blasting off and i've got to bring a somber moment and i hate to do it because this is just an unbelievable episode huge guests the guests we have coming up like you mentioned but one of those guests was the credited creator of the show and sam bobrick he he didn't really have a lot he kind of created like the first kind of semblance of the show for a show that that turned into saved by the bell Bell. they took kind of his ideas and morphed it in peter so his name's on every episode even though as bennett tramer has said he had nothing to do with the show quote yeah wasn't there wasn't at the table he's passed away since we did the interview he has he's passed away and let me just tell you once i've never i didn't meet him in person but just correspondence email interview not a funnier person hilarious more relatable just the sense of humor off the charts just down to earth person that i've ever met in my entire life and like i said not in person just through email i mean i have never like read something on a screen that has made me just burst out into laughter like i did with sam bobrick's email he was quick sharp-witted and you know what we were kind of questioning him i mean he was in his 80s do you really create this show blah 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 and then what we got into was great and we'll hear that on a later episode and we he, rest in peace to to sam Absolutely. he was grateful to do that with us and he was nearing nearing the end of his life i mean that's kind of powerful stuff this whole episode has been really powerful <laughs> you know and it's, it's had keep, its ups it's downs it's, it's very emotional and we're gonna for keep me. it going because noah as we finish off the episode here uh the scene where they're about to leave for the trip Everyone's dressed like they're going to be spending a weekend in the Canadian wilderness on a Boy Scout trip, <laughs> which is funny. You got Screech with, I th- think he had like a one of those rings around his waist, like a Snoopy ring or something yeah, around the waist. It's a floaty. Floaty. And he does, he has a waiter. I called it a waiter in my notes. That's funny. <laughs> uh, and Milton gives us the famous line, hey, everyone, the buses are here. Um, and this leads us to... To me, one of the most pivotal moments in the history of Saved by the Bell, the one you just recited the lines, Yeah. but this is the moment where it all cracks and everything fractures in the relationship with Rod Belding and the kids and his own brother. Yeah, I mean, they're wondering where Rod is. Uh, Zach is going to go out and look for him, and it the, the hallways are dark. I thought it was beautifully done, how the hallways yeah. are dark. They're there early Not in the morning. Not a normal school day. You're not exactly. thinking yeah. of this as a normal day where they're doing, this is like, they're the only ones there. They're leaving. It's nighttime. Probably a small thing to a lot of people watching, but it just really added to the it scene did. for me. Uh, and you saw the light, just the light on in Belding's office is what you saw. And and as he's getting closer to the door, then you hear the voices start. And that's the scene that uh, Ed and I did for you during the interview. Amazing. So powerful. You can t- tell the history that these two brothers have had. And, I mean, Mr. Belding is just fed up with it. Yeah. He just can't take it anymore. He's let these kids down. And you can tell kind of through his life, he's given him more chances. Hey, you're my brother. Hey, let's try this again. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. And finally, he's like, you're an adult. These kids trust in me. I have a relationship, a bond with these students that is stronger than 
are bond right now because of what you're doing and i just need you to go you yeah get I, out of here that's the good point because i i don't think that i've ever thought of it from the perspective of is he doing this is he telling rod to leave because he's fed up from all the years or is he doing it on behalf of the children and i think it's more on behalf of the kids like you Absolutely. said yeah it's not in the end added to the fact that he's probably been down this road with him multiple times and mm -hmm. probably flaking out on family holidays and events and goes off and does his own thing he follows his own dreams there's uh, you know that there's something to that ed blatchford said he would have done it too and left <laughs> exactly. Inga. what a moment um dennis haskins in this scene is incredible ed blatchford does a great job of just kind of playing the dim-witted he didn't really want to he wasn't going to match him intense wise. He was just, oh, blowing it off. And come on, Richie, cover for me. And I'm, he says, I'm tired of covering for you, Rod. That's powerful. He's doing this on behalf of himself and this group of kids that he's formed this bond with. And Ed, as Ed leaves the school, or Rod Belding leaves the school, let's just take a moment here. We've kind of torn down his character. He's one of this ego came in. The building a friendship with the kids, but not really caring. And now we see that he doesn't care. He's left with Inga. Let's just talk about the job that Ed Blatchford did in his first acting gig. In that he was phenomenal. Yeah, people remember Ed Blatchford as Rod Belding in this episode. It's a cult classic episode. It's followed him. Obviously, he's been doing films. Yep. Saved by uh, the Belding. Yeah, Saved by the Belding, and. He, he did phenomenal, and that was this was his first gig, his first real gig. And he met, yeah, that scene, Dennis Haskins is so underrated, and this this was just tremendous. I got chills watching it whenever I was seven years old, and I got chills watching it, taking notes for this episode. That's powerful. That's why this show has staying power. We've done episodes from season one and, and, and things like Screech's birthday and some sh oh, episodes that were just... The mamas the and the papas. Of, <laughs> oh, my God, you had to. I did. The height of silliness, and we talked about those in those episodes. No matter what, this show means a lot to us, even with those involved. But like, this is why I truly still love the show and always have. Absolutely, and you, we can talk about favorite episodes, and this is right up there. Whether it's number one or not, I'm not sure. It, it very well could be. Uh, there's several that are in the running. But scene-wise, if you pick out one scene favorite, and say that it, it's yeah. that, it's Rod Belding and Richie Belding in. Mr. Belding's office, that scene takes the whole show. That takes the cake. It's, it's number one. It's also more powerful even than a brother's relationship and a brother's quarrel. It's the moment where Mr. Belding and the kids exist on a different plane than Mr. Belding trying to get Zach into detention and Zach trying to scheme Mr. Belding and the silliness that happened. This is like, okay, this is real high school now. We're upperclassmen. And there's a class trip involved, and I've got these kids' backs. That's a 10 that knocked it out of the park for me. I can't say enough about it. I'm And learning the lesson that, yeah. that yeah. we've talked about throughout yes. the whole show about, okay, this cool teacher comes in, just you're not having a responsibility. You're your friends. He's not making you do all this work. And, oh, Mr. Belding's on our back all the time, and he's making all these rules and throwing me into tension. And they're learning, finally, that – some of these people that come into your life just because they're an adult figure and they're fun, they don't really care about you deep down. They're not out for your best interest. They're out for them to build their ego, to be the cool guy around the school or in town or wherever they're at. Yeah. And then they're out of there when... There's someone else that's there every day. Something better comes along in their eyes. They're out of there. They don't care what promise or responsibility they had to you. 
they're out of there. They leave you in the lurch, and there's nothing left to do. But luckily, Mr. Belding steps in at the very end. He does. He offers to take them on the class trip, um, and, and Zach kind of reveals to Mr. Belding that he heard everything, and he said he knows about the stewardess. And you could tell Mr. Belding's kind of taken back by that. He said, I didn't want you to hear that. That's I'm getting chill. I just I know. recited the line and got chills saying, it. Like, what is happening right now? This is so powerful. I, can't I knew how much Rod. I even thought so. I know. Like he just, goes on to say, I knew how much Rod meant to you, and I just didn't want to ruin that. And Zach confessed. This is Zach doesn't confess anything. He doesn't right. kind of give up his feet. He said, Mr. Belding, I acted like a jerk. I'm sorry for the things I said to you. He says, I understand, Zach. Rod always was the more exciting building. And then the great closing line, maybe the best in the show. We've said that a lot about a lot of these lines. But Zach says, maybe, but we got the better building. Great. Kelly kisses him on the cheek. I think yeah. it's a cool little moment. Just like thanking him for doing this. I sure hope Mr. Belding got a chance to like go home and pack a bag. They're going white water rafting. Just, like, I got one suit. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I always, that always stuck out in my it mind. Did, like, me too. Well, the bus is going to wait that long? or <laughs> That's how much I think about this and why I don't really have anything else to do. Melvin, you're my size. Do you have some extra clothes? (laughs) Uh, Great closing, great end, and the perfect episode, I say yes. I think it's an A+, and maybe the best Say by the Bell episode. Again, trying to rank them one, two, three. It really doesn't matter. This is gold, television gold. It really is, and it probably is number one, but there's there's several others. I mean, this show went on a long time, and there's a lot of great episodes, and so it's tough to definitively say this is number one, but uh, has the best scene, uh, maybe the best closing, so it's definitely up there. And, of course, Ed Blatchford did an absolutely amazing job, and to hear that this was his first gig, his first acting job going out to L.A., got it with uh, Robin Lippin, the casting director, and Peter Engel, who uh, later on went to uh, get Ed some other jobs as well. And uh, Rolf Morrow, he did a great job as Mr. Dickerson as well. We can't thank both of them enough for being guests on this uh, podcast. It was unbelievable catching up with both these guys. I mean, the two guest stars in the show, we got them both for you right here on Saved by Nostalgia. That's what it's all about. And it was tremendous. Can't thank them enough. Um, that's what you're going to expect here. That's what you're going to get uh, as we go forward here in season three and uh, on into season four. We have so many big guests coming up. Like I said, Leanna Creel, Eddie Garcia, Bennett Tramer. It's going to keep piling us. Sam Bobrick, uh, who's passed away. We're going to be talking to all of them and, and, and more. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully you hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you love this show, if you love Say by the Bell, we hope you'll subscribe and leave us, leave us some feedback and uh, interact with us. We always appreciate it. You can just search Save by Nostalgia on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We always have posts going on, you know, little things that they're going to remind you of your past, whether it be a video game, a candy, a food, a show. We're going to be bringing that back. That's what we do here on Save by Nostalgia. Thank you so much for joining us.